expression of your thoughts, gentlemen, when you say you move your lips in a particular way? Do you not see how haphazard this audit is? The devil is in the detail. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a cover-up. There will be plenty of time for questions. And we will get the answers, just not from the politicians. All righty, we got Mr. Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks, reporter who does that for us. Hello, Tom. Hello, Alex. What do you make of all this spin? It's quite something to hear uh, the Chinese interference spin, eh? I mean, apparently Trudeau's been warning us for years. Uh, we're not to question it, but he's been warning for years about all this uh, electoral interference by China. I, I don't recall any warnings at all. No, there weren't. They uh, did go to town in the days of the Russian bots, the mythology that Russian bots somehow elected Trump. And mm-hmm. they were very enthusiastic. They're enthusiastic about importing some of that American blue team, red team dialogue up into Canada, where we have a completely different system, history, different political culture. Very strange. No, that never came up. And indeed, um, there was the uh, Prime Minister famously, after attending a World Economic Forum session in Switzerland with Dominic Barton, uh, proposed a free trade agreement with China. So uh, yeah, no, I don't ever remember the words China and interference coming up. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't either. Um, but that is the spin. They're going with it. But I mean, even uh, the, earlier this week, I mean, he's being asked, like, what action are you taking? They keep talking about this report that was tabled in 2020, which didn't mention anything about Chinese interference and that they've been holding these committee hearings, which do nothing. Um, and, and, and look, they were asked, you know, to do a deeper investigation with this House Affairs Committee um, on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, and like it got, and the NDP and the Liberal MP, um, just they don't want to have like Katie Telford or, or 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 you know Marco Mendocino or any of the people involved questioned, and so they've like watered it right down. But they're extending the the you know the investigation. Yeah, the, the difficulty for the House Affairs Committee is MPs who don't have evidence ask cabinet ministers who say they don't have evidence, and that, and, and they do that for two hours. So it actually becomes a, it's frankly irritating. The problem is, outside of media disclosures, the only people who can get to the bottom of this, for instance, my favorite federal agency, Elections Canada, simply can't be bothered. They don't give a damn. They look around the office and say, well, I didn't see any evidence of Chinese interference. I'm not interested. This uh, chief electoral officer, uh, Officer Perot, has testified to that effect. Oh, sometimes afterwards we find out. They don't, they don't want to get to the bottom of it. You know my takeaway? Do I think the Chinese influenced some uh, particular votes in some particular writings? Of course they did. Did it affect the entire uh, outcome of a general election? We don't know, probably not. You know what the real serious problem is? Elections Canada has played this cute game for years. And I mean, this goes back years. MPs and senators have said, look, we need an election oversight committee of parliament. Otherwise, you have these clowns show up for 20 minutes a year at budget time. No one really knows what's going on at Elections Canada. And they should. They should have a permanent commons committee on elections, and you have hearings every week of the year so we can discuss what's going on. You leave this up to Elections Canada, what you see is what you get. Yeah, they did a robocall investigation. It took them like six years. Six years. Six years to get to it. And, and then they, they didn't even know about this. They, they, Sam Cooper's reporting, they were like, oh, that did that happen? Wow. We should look in. No, nah, we're not going to look into it. 
but that's well, where you stand. Canada, so. Oh, no, famously. I mean, this, this goes back to even before the 2019 vote. For the first mm-hmm. time, we, you and I have discussed this. So for the first time, they actually cross-indexed the voters' list with immigration rules. They found 100,000 foreigners on the voters' list. And when asked, well, did those people vote, did it influence any elections, in particular ridings, they said it's too much work to open the poll bags. I'm not <laughs> making that up. That's Elections Canada. Yeah. Have faith in our institutions, they say. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, data confirming what I think uh, every middle-class Canadian knows, especially those with young families, uh, inflation is crushing their standard of living. And uh, this is StatsCan data again, just saying like they, they, 38% of Canadians are now borrowing money to buy things like, I don't know, toilet paper? You know, it's not your imagination. Uh, it, it, it really isn't. And there's not, uh, these are dark numbers. What does StatsCan say? They're discussing averaging last year. Typical Canadian. Weekly earnings, if you were lucky, went up about 4%. At the same time, rents went up 6% averaging. Cost of running the family car went up 13%. Food prices went up 15%. Mortgage rates up 18%. No wonder you're eating a lot of spaghetti. And then on weekends, you have macaroni because it's slightly different. No wonder. These are stats, uh, figures, and it confirms other data that has come from federal agencies. This is not conspiracy talk. This is not, you know, Internet theorists. These are government agencies saying, get on it, because the average Canadian, especially young families, are just taking it. And it's absolutely bleak. What do they say? Most workers have seen their purchasing power decline. Purchasing power. That's standard of living. Yeah. And, and, you know, we get the sound bites. We get all the promises. But it's, again, they need, they need solutions. We've got a budget coming up. I don't know what they can do um, without irritating inflation further. But something's got to give because if, if we're going through, like, another year of this, and we are going to go through another year with this drag, which I think is going to get worse, those numbers are going to get way worse. Oh, the Bank of Canada says we're, we're putting up with this for another year. So At I mean, least, yeah. There's the authority, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. How many times have they been wrong? Anyway, we'll uh, wait and see. Um, IT consultants who expose Laith Maroof as the anti-Semite uh, that uh, you know he has been for decades um, said a whole bunch of people in Ottawa knew about this, and yet they did nothing. And so Mark Goldberg, who really broke this story, um, was testifying at the Commons Heritage Committee. Um, he repeatedly warned the officials about the conduct. He documented instances. Uh, like, everyone knew about it. No one did anything about it. No one's been fired for it. No, he said a submission to the uh, Commons Heritage Committee is very compelling. This is an IT consultant in Thornhill, just a, just a guy. And he follows uh, te- telecom regulations. And way back, about six years ago, he starts running across this character, Leith Maroof, out of Montreal, with this uh, self-run organization, uh, Community Media Advocacy Center. And he seems he gets a bad vibe off this guy on Twitter. And so uh, Mr. Goldberg starts following Maroof and discovers to his horror that uh, Maroof, on the one hand, uh, has these repeated fantasies where he talks on Twitter about shooting Jews in the head and on the other hand, manages through various federal agencies to collect over $600,000 in federal subsidies. And so he starts ringing the bell. He starts pulling the fire alarm. He says, "Get on, look out. Look what I found. And no one listens. April, May, June, July last year. No one listens. 
It takes the feds until last September to cancel their last, their last contract with Murrow. And so Mr. Goldberg says legitimately, what, what, what does it take? What, you're the anti-racism guys. You're the sensitivity guys. You're the guardians of the taxpayer. How many times do you need someone shouting, fire, there's a fire here, you have a problem. They wouldn't deal with it, and they did not let Mr. Goldberg come for cross-examination. They didn't want him on the witness stand at the Heritage Committee. I think this is embarrassing for a lot of people, Alex. Well, yeah, it, it, again, the accountability thing isn't in um, in existence anymore, and so uh, nothing's going to happen. No one, I don't even think they're going to get the money back at this point. Has he paid any of it back? No, nothing. Oh, no, he's in Beirut. Oh, good luck with that. No, no, no. no he did. Yeah, he moved to Beirut. Uh, his wife is a teacher at American University of Beirut. Oh, sure, yeah. Perfect. No, no, you're never half, seeing half that a, money again. Yeah. Half, oh. half a million bucks would go far in Beirut. Um, no. I, I got I got to include the parliament, uh, the expropri- the expropriation story. I don't I don't know if this is a, going to be a thing, but that it's even a conversation I find is uh, is alarming. But parliament should expropriate apartment buildings owned by landlords who violate human rights. Like, <laughs> what could go wrong? I know, and that was not written by Mao. That was written by the <laughs> Canadian Human Rights Commission. They actually put that in a report. Expropri- what is expropriation? It's the most severe government action that can be taken in a country that does not have capital punishment, typically reserved for extraordinary circumstances where you must expropriate the cornfield to build an overpass to the airport. In this case, you have a Canadian Human Rights Commission report that says we should expropriate buildings from Landlords, we think, are bad people. I'm not making this up. I'm reading from their report. The recommendation, expropriate housing owned by financial firms that violate human rights. Human rights like what? Well, the right to housing. That could be a rent increase. Are you kidding right. me? There could be every right for every... There's not a landlord out there who would manage to keep their building. I mean, because you could, you could literally ha- file a human rights violation for anything. It does. It is some insight into a perception of rights of property, which, by the way, has never been recognized constitutionally. People have tried for thirty years to write that into the constitution. They won't do it. And it is a. It is an interesting insight into the role of the state. I, I can sort of see the world as the Canadian Human Rights Commission envisions it. I see a lot of armbands. I mean, I, you know what I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Look, they uh, they seized, uh, they expropriated uh, bank accounts. So what, why stop there? I hear a lot of marching music. I, I just, I, I'm getting a bad feeling, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think hopefully we'll be dead by then, Tom. Uh, nonetheless, appreciate it. There's so much more we could talk about, but uh, I, of course, am out of time. Have a great one, Alex. There you go. That's Tom Korski with Blacklock's Reporter. Subscription based, and they deliver. I saw that title. I'm like, what? Yeah, what could go wrong? You always have to ask yourself, what could go wrong with that government policy? And the answer is generally a lot.